0: Welcome to worship at Northside Church on this third Sunday of Advent. I'd remind you there are 14 shopping days left until Christmas And as you are making your list, let me encourage you to keep the church in mind as well for end-of-year giving. We want to finish this year strong as we continue in ministry and mission, and we are also preparing for 2023, building the budget for then. So if you haven't completed a pledge for the upcoming year, I would encourage you to do so today as well. Our Advent worship series is entitled Christmas Present, and we've seen over the past weeks it holds a multifold meaning. Christmas present can mean the gifts we give and receive, present can refer to the here and now, and present can mean that we're fully engaged in the moment. Of course, there's a fourth meaning we all learned in school when the teacher would call roll. We'd raise our hand and say, present, simply showing up, is vital in the Christian life. And being here on Sunday surrounded by brothers and sisters in Christ and worship cannot be duplicated or simulated in any other way in the Christian experience. At the beginning of the series, we asked the question, what do we give to others in 28 days of gifts? And last week, we did a little shopping for ourselves, and today we asked the question, what do you give to the God who has everything? Our scripture lesson comes from Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 18, and I'd invite you to rise in body or spirit in honor of the reading of the gospel. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen, and would you please be seated. A baby changes everything. Parents' lives are forever altered when they bring that firstborn home. I tell couples, marriage may change your world, but parenthood turns it upside down. And new parents quickly discover all the sacrifices that are entailed. You give up sleep. You get up for 2 a.m. feedings. Suffer through colic and earache. Put thermometers in unmentionable places. Change toxic diapers. Wear spit up on your shoulder as a fashion statement. And you taste Gerber pureed green beans. But it changes not only parents, a baby changes other people as well. I often laugh watching in church as very reserved and sophisticated, along with rough and gruff people, make complete fools out of themselves around a baby. Will goo goo, will gaga we say phrases that are nonsensical and make faces that no one least of all, the infant understands, and yet intuitively every coochie, coochie, coo says, I love you. A baby changes everything. Today is the third Sunday of Advent in the church calendar. Advent means coming or arrival, and we do anticipate the celebration of Christ coming into the world during this four-week season. We look forward to what in theological terms is known as the incarnation, God becoming flesh. John, in his prologue to the gospel, said the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us and we have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and full of truth. The infinite God in finite form wrapped in flesh and swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. There's a quote I often use from one of the ancient church fathers during Advent and Christmas, which sums up the entire incarnation. It declares, God became who we are so that we might become who God is. God enters into our world, into our lives, and invites us into new covenant or relationship with the Almighty. A baby changes everything Many of you will recall the name of Martin Luther from church history. The Roman Catholic priest in the 16th century began what we now call the Protestant Reformation. And last year on Christmas Eve, I shared a quote from one of his sermons. A very intriguing statement. He said, whenever God speaks to humanity, God always speaks in baby talk. God does does so because God is love. And our Heavenly Father remembers that no matter how old we get, how experienced or educated, when it comes to our faith, we are still small, helpless infants. So the Lord kneels to our level and speaks to us in ways we can understand because the finite can comprehend only so much of the infinite God speaks to us in baby talk. Consider some of the familiar stories of the Bible that we learn even as children. There's creation, Genesis chapters one and two, and I hope you've been subscribing to Dr. James Johnson's Advent devotionals, which talks about God bringing order in the midst of chaos, and yet how there is still chaos in the order of our lives that God is present in. Well, God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He really didn't give them much instruction. He said, the world's yours, your playground. Take care of it, take care of one another. There is one tree in the middle of the garden. No, no, don't touch. Later, the Lord commanded Noah to build an ark. Didn't send him to Georgia Tech to get a doctorate in engineering. He just said, here are the plans. Buy a hammer, get to work. And then he put two by two of the animals on board, which children love. Later still, Moses encountered God in fire, and children are intrigued by fire. And when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments atop Mount Sinai, most of it, an elementary school-aged child could understand. Don't take what doesn't belong to you. Tell the truth. Respect your parents. And when the Holy Spirit inspired the prophets, there were these images of a lion and a lamb and an adder and angels and human beings all living together. Sort of thing you would see in pictures on a nursery wall. Baby talk. And then God sent his son into the world, born in a manger to Mary and Joseph. Abandoning power and glory, coming into the world as a helpless infant. It's baby talk. Jesus grew up, began his ministry. How did he invite the first disciples? He asked them to engage in a game of follow the leader. Just come follow me, you'll learn as we go. And the essence of Christian living, it's as easy as one, two, three, A, B, C. Love God, love others, love yourself, and treat other people the way you want to be treated. It's all baby talk. And isn't it amazing what a baby can make us do? What the babe of Bethlehem causes us to do. Even the secular world when we go out today is decorated for the celebration of Christ coming and the world is lit up with lights of white and silver and green and red. And there are grace-filled moments when we will do anything to make the Christ child smile, do good, give up evil, reject temptation, pray for an enemy, let go of a grudge, trust our possessions to the Lord. Read the Bible. Pray, bring our children to Sunday school and worship. You've heard preachers say before, because it is a constant battle, that the world attempts to take the seasons of Advent and Christmas and dilute them into a secular observance. But over and again in the church, we say that the holidays are holy days that recognize what God has done through Jesus the Christ and it calls for our response, which brings me back to the question we started with, what do you give to the God who has everything? Or maybe another way to phrase that is, what do you give to the God who has given us everything? Certainly God does not need our possessions. Dr. Jorge Gonzalez was my advisor at Berry College and he, right before a test, always loved to quote Psalm 50, which begins by saying, I have no need of a bull from your house. I'll let that one sink in for a while. I have no need of a bull from your house or goats from your pen, some of y'all just got it, or for any animal, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills, God owns everything. So why are we called as stewards to bring back a portion of what we received? to God? It's for our own spiritual health. Those tokens we give remind us that everything we possess is a gift and how we use those gifts as wise stewards is a part of who we are as God's people. But it's not only the gift we give, it's also the spirit with which it is given. Parents and grandparents understand this right now. Because our children are very busy creating crafts at school, church, and home, that are made out of Elmer's glue, popsicle sticks, ribbon, tinsel, tingle, tape, pipe cleaners, crayons, cotton balls, and beads, and the dreaded, dreaded glitter. And they'll hand them to you. They have no intrinsic value but they're priceless to us because of who made them and the spirit with which they are given. We come as God's children bringing our gifts and lifting them up before him. The second thing we give to the God who has everything is joy and gratitude for the gifts that our are our ours. Next week, Reverend Catherine at the nine o'clock service is gonna be talking about how it is more blessed to give than to receive. I hope you admire my restraint. I try to only mention my granddaughter one time per sermon per week. Uh, but yesterday was Hazley's fifth birthday. And I spent the afternoon with a group of five-year-olds at a gym hyped up on sugar. It's delightful. But one of the gifts we gave her, and for parents, you speak this language, she got a Peppa Pig Playhouse. Oh, my goodness. You would have thought I gave her a Mercedes-Benz. Her eyes lit up, she was delighted, and she said, this is the best day ever. Children of God, isn't this the best day ever? It's the day that God has made, and if we truly open our eyes and look about us with the gifts that we have received, We should be filled with gratitude and filled with joy, and yet if you are like I am, oftentimes instead we act like petulant, spoiled children who wake up on Christmas morning and you can't see the floor because of the gifts and go, but I wanted something that's not here. It's like, God, you gave me life. Gave me abundant life, gave me everlasting life, that's great, salvation, wonderful, forgiveness of sin, life everlasting in heaven, but what I really wanted was, Recognize the gifts, recognize the giver. Say thank you, cultivate an attitude of gratitude for God. Of course, those are all preliminary because ultimately what do you give to the God who has everything is everything we are. All that we have, all that we are, heart, soul, mind and strength, nothing less will do because our lives are forever changed when the Christ child comes into our hearts. It was back in the sixth century that the church devised a brand new way of keeping time. They divided all of history by the birth of Jesus. And before his birth was B.C. and after his birth was A.D., which stand for Latin phrases uh, that can translate as before Christ and in the year of our Lord. What is true in history is true in our lives. There is a dividing point before Christ and afterwards when we accept him as our Savior and Lord. And what that means is that Christ coming into the world and into our hearts, that it can never be the same again. And that we're constantly called to change and to grow and to mature into our faith as we pursue what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ. There's a word we don't use terribly often in common conversation, and it's the word ubiquity. Ubiquity means universality, omnipresence, always there. And Frederick Buechner talks about the ubiquity of God in a very common sight you'll see as you go out from this church into your home. He said, every automobile bears on its license plate a number that represents the number of years that have elapsed since the birth of Christ. It's a powerful symbol of the ubiquity of God and the indifference of humanity. That God is all about us with eyes to see and ears to hear. And we respond by giving back to God all that we are. One of the carols of the church is entitled A Bleak Midwinter and the final stanza asks, what can I give him? Poor as I am, if I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what I can, I give him. I give him my heart. The Christ child, a baby, changes everything and calls us to respond. What do you give to the God who has everything? You give all you possess. You give the gratitude of your heart. You give everything, all that you are. During this holiest of days, we hear and rehear the story of Christmas. And I have no doubt from outsiders looking in, all this talk about immaculate conception, a virgin birth, angelic choruses, shepherds, wise men sounds like foolishness but for those of us who believe it is the power of God to save because a baby changes everything. Let us pray. Almighty God, we bring before you this day, not a token, not a part, but the entirety of our lives, take us, Accept us, use us, keep us now and forevermore. In the name of the Christ child we pray, amen.